And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Leave Report. This is Clark here. Hello, everybody. James, it is March. Can you believe it's March? Mm, I'm happy that it's March. That March is, we're one step closer to, I'm looking out the window, it's sunny. A lot of the snow is melting. You know, the birds are gonna be chirping and there's actually, there's a squirrel building his nest on my balcony. So that's that's one sign that it, it must be getting nicer out, so. Well, and, and for the Leafs, it, it kind of feels like all those vibes, like all those optimistic, good vibes. Um, they beat the Oilers <laughs> twice without Austin Matthews, without Frederick Anderson. I'm not used to optimistic vibes, though. Normally in spring, where it's it's not, you know, we <laughs> that's it, it. It's a bit of an adjustment that the the Leafs are doing what they're doing, isn't it? Like, it, it well, just... let me look to last year. So this is we're recording this on like March second. Is that right? Yep. All right. So March second. They are going into the San Jose game, which did not go well. The Los Angeles game, which did not go well. And the Anaheim game, which did not go well. So it is a totally different vibe now. Obviously, first in the NHL, first in the division. Playing well defensively. Um, not giving up all that much to hold Os- or Connor McDavid off the score sheet. Dreisaitl off the score sheet, back-to-back games. Um, the question I, I want to discuss first is... How real do you think this is, like the defensive prowess? I like that word, prowess. It's good. I, I'm working on a story about the defensive. I, I can let people in a little bit to what I'm looking at. And, you know, it's interesting. If you look at um, if you look at like expected goals against, it's not like they're down a lot. They're down a little bit, but it's not anything dramatic, in, at least in terms of how much people are talking about it. So, you know, then you got to go one layer of the onion deeper and, you know, what other statistics 
provide you insight into defensive performance. And, you know, what, the Leafs have been really good at, at limiting shots against. They're, they're well down in shots against, at even strength, uh, shot attempts against. But, you know, I, I almost, for this, this story, looking at their defensive performance, I've, and I've, I've showed you, Jonas, some of the data. They, you almost have to look at, like, some of, like, the even, even another step further. Look at things like odd man rushes. And I, I don't want to give away too much of my story, but, you know, you start looking at some of the more granular things like limiting uh, attempts from the slot and passes to the slot and things like that. That's where you can really see improvements from the Leafs. And, you know, the debate for me talking about their defensive play is how much of that is personnel. And how much of that is is the coaching staff, some of the things that they've done differently this year. Uh, you know, I think obviously having TJ Brody is is potentially, I would say probably the biggest piece of, of, of all of this. Um, yeah, I want to yeah. get to him in a second. The, but- the, the, the defensive improvement is real. I don't know if people are going a little bit overboard about it just because they've shut out the Oilers a couple of times here. But And the thing too, I would say, Jonas, is I think that they've, it's improved as the season has gone on. You remember yep. the first 10 games we were saying, like, I don't know, like, you know, there's some indicators here that uh, that uh, we don't know how real this record is. It seems like they've settled in and gotten better, and they found some lines, like like the the line I'm calling the meh line, um, with uh, Mikheyev, Engvall, and, and Hyman. You know, I think that there's, there's some things that they found that are working better than what they were using early on in the year. Well, it's funny, like the, a lot of the nitty gritty stuff you're talking about matches with your eye test. Like it just doesn't, you don't come away from the game feeling like, man, they gave up a lot of odd man rushes or they gave a lot of, up a lot of chances in tight around the net. Like the goal, I'm trying to think uh, which goal it was. Maybe it was the goal in Calgary, the late goal in Calgary last week. Like chances like that don't feel like they've been frequent. Um it just doesn't feel like they're giving up as much that way as they used to. Uh, and I, I kind of wonder, James, like they've talked about since the start of the off season that they wanted to have a completely different mindset for the regular season. And part of that was like consistency and like intensity and all those intangible type things. But the other part of it was they wanted to be a better defensive team. And we've heard Sheldon Keith talk a lot about that specifically with guys like Tavares and Neilander and like trying to change the mindset of how they win games. So you're not trying to win five, four, you're trying to win three, one, two, nothing. Um, but I think the Brody thing we should hit on a bit. Um, I just, I have a story coming up on Wednesday about him. I just think like he's been exactly what they've needed. Um, what's kind of stuck out to you about him so far? He he's yeah. I mean, I I think that it's almost like getting another muzzin, right? Which is yes. kind of what, another muzzin on another pairing, but and with I, like more skill and a better skater. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. His skating, I, I would say that TJ Brody's been better than I had anticipated because you know one of the things you heard from from Flames fans and you know even from some scouts and some people in the game is that there's going to be mistakes. There's going to be like kind of like some people the, the skeptics when the Leafs signed him said he's he's the Flames Jake Gardner. And like to be honest, I really haven't seen a lot of that. Like I haven't seen really bad turnovers from TJ Brody. There's not a lot of instances in the game where I'm like, oh man, I can't believe he did that. Or he just seems very smooth. He's really easy. He he really easily shakes off four checkers. He makes really nice D to D passes. He's just he's 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 really good with the puck. 
He's not flashy, but he's a great skater. I love watching him. I think I said on the podcast last week, I mean, that's the kind of player that I've always enjoyed is the guys that kind of go under the radar. And Brody almost, you know who he reminds me of just a little bit? And this is going to be like way over the top praise, but I don't, I mean like kind of like a, a lesser version, like a little bit like a Scott Niedemeyer sort of, like just with how smooth of a skater he is and how well he can get himself out of trouble. You know, Scott Niedemeyer was not always the biggest point producing defenseman he had some years where he produced a lot of points but he had lots of years where he didn't and just just like kind of being someone who can settle down the defensive zone really really well and obviously Brody's not Niedemeyer but there's some of those elements that the Leafs really needed and and the the, the thing that's underrated too I think about Brody is the way that he defends you know when he gets left on an odd man rush when there are those odd man rushes that the Leafs give up he's very very good at that there were some plays against uh, the second game against the Oilers on on Monday night, you know, it's one on one McDavid on Brody, and and Brody can can nullify the play, and you know there there's some defensemen that McDavid can look really make look really silly, but Brody's obviously got a lot of experience with McDavid having played for Calgary for so long, and you know he did a really nice job in in both of those games against Edmonton. Well, one thing on one of those plays in particular is he is exceptional using his stick, like he is so crafty, and I pulled up. I, like in my notes, James, like for some of these games, like that's been in there, like these little plays and I pulled some of them up for the story and it's just like, he's just so effective at using his stick and then using his body. Like he's not the biggest guy, but because he's such a good skater and because he can use that stick effectively, he can, you can see how he could play in the role with Giordano all those years. And like for, for Morgan Riley, like he's never had this, like you look back to last year, James, like with Barry and CeCe and like you go back to like Zaitsev and Hainsey, he's never had someone who was kind of like well-rounded like this, who could move the puck, who could skate the puck, who could defend at a high level. Like look at what happened last year. Like when he played with Barry defensively, it, w- it wasn't good. And when he played with CeCe, they'd get stuck in their own end because CeCe couldn't move the puck. And so now like you add Brody on top of Muzzin, on top of Hall, who's come on on top of Riley. And suddenly like you have two good pairs that you can basically play against anyone. And I mean, that's why you go and play him 20 million. We can, we could debate, you know, are Muzzin and Brody going to show their age or, you know, are are those contracts going to, but right for right now, the Leafs have a really good decor. And then the other piece of it too is, is Justin Hall has really, you know, he, he's a top four defenseman, you know, and we did a big profile of him last week. If people didn't see it, uh, check it out at the athletic. Um, that's been a piece that we put uh, Joshua cloak. And I put a lot of work into that, that Justin Hall piece and it didn't get a lot of readership initially, but you know, it's like people keep going back and reading that piece. And I think that his journey going from playing a full season in the ECHL uh, six years ago to where he is now, not a lot of players make that progression. Not, a, not a lot of players can, <laughs> You know, and when I asked around the front office about Justin Hall, they all said, you know, that's that's someone that Kyle Dubas found. Well, and I think that one of the big takeaways from that story, James, is that eventually or what's kind of become his calling card to play in the league is is he defensively, he's he's strong. And he's obviously a really big guy. He can skate. Good skater. Yeah. Good, like it that's just and now he's signed for the next couple of years at, at two million to play in your top four, like and, and you know one thing, James, I do want to add about Brody is look what happens when Muzzin goes out. 
for those couple games. Now, mm. Travis Dermott does move up, but suddenly you have in Brody someone who can basically take on his responsibilities. Like he can move on to the first penalty killing unit. You're fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, him and him and Riley have, have been playing against top lines. Give them here more and there. minutes. Give them yeah. more minutes. Like that's that's a flexibility that they didn't have um, with Tyson Berry, with Cody Cece, and we can we've talked about those guys a lot. Well, last year in the playoffs when Muzzin went down, it was like like that was just that was an irreplaceable piece. Like they just didn't. So some of the things I've been thinking watching these games against the Oilers is about how good the decor is now compared to what we've seen. I mean, essentially the whole time I've covered the team, you know, mm-hmm. essentially the whole salary cap era, they have not had a decor this good. And um, you combine that with some of the depth pieces that they've added up front and they've been able to, they've been able to weather all of the injuries that they've had lately and, and still play well. And that was one of the things you're talking about where this team was last year. I was on that trip through California when they were playing San Jose and they were playing Anaheim and they were losing those games. And, you know, part of it was they had a whole bunch of injuries. Like I remember the game in San Jose that they played so poorly in and they had three of their top four D were hurt. And they yeah, just, you want another D that night, James? They couldn't compensate. I mean, I, w- I remember sitting in the press box and looking over beside me, and there was like Riley, Muzzin, and uh, <laughs> one, and I think Cece were all sitting in the press box right beside me. And it's like, well, this is going to be hard. And like San Jose is not a good team, but like this is this is not going to be easy. You know, like yeah. there's all the guys that get all the minutes, and they're uh, eating popcorn beside me. Well, now to be fair, you take three of your top whatever out, and you're not going to be great. It would be the same for this team. But their defense that night was Dermot Hall, Marinchin Barry, Rosen Lilligren. So, and they got they got completely. I think that game was like a two one loss. Is that right, or am I one nothing? Was it one nothing? Oh yeah, yeah. I think it was. Yeah, it was like a. But they were badly outplayed. I think. I like. I think that if I remember correctly, San Jose like the the shots were like super lopsided. And then they came off the ice and, and Jack Campbell like said it was all on him or something like that. And he, <laughs> he, he had let in like one or two goals and he's like, oh, I got to be better. And it's like, well, your team played like garbage. So you, you're missing. Anyway, it's. Uh, Jack seems like a terrible guy. I don't know about <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And a little bit of for I've been I've been poking around in the idea of, of working on a story on Jack and talking to some people about him. And man, like it's just like the stories about it. He, it's. If I can pull that off, I think that'll be a great story because he seems like such a wonderful person. So, Well, we should talk about the goaltending here for a second. Um, Jack Campbell did not play on Monday night. He did play and put together a shutout over the weekend. Uh, Frederick Anderson has not played the last four games, I believe it is. Um, the fact that they've been able to weather the storm to me is very, 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 very surprising given that the guy who's weathering the storm for them for the most part is Michael Hutchinson. Like... If you had told me his first four starts, he'd be three and one with a nine forty three save. I would have bet lots of money against that. It's just well, very unlikely. He's played really well. Like, give him credit. The crazy thing with like I've seen Hutchinson play well in the past, but um, how far in the past are we talking? Like I saw some of his games when he was in the AHL, and he was like, he it looked he looked like he was too good for that league, which he is. Like the weird thing about Hutchinson is that he was so bad last year. He was just in one of those like death spirals that goalies get into sometimes where his confidence was completely shattered. The Leafs weren't playing very well. They weren't as good defensively as they are now. 
If, I, I went back actually last night and I read one of the stories I wrote about Hutchinson. Remember when they they waved Hutchinson and they called up yes. Cascasuo? I, I wrote a story about it at that point. And at that point, he was facing the like high danger chances per minute. He was like first in the NHL and what he was facing. The uh, expected goals against or whatever for him were like, it was like crazy. It was like off the charts. It was way worse than what Anderson was facing. So you have this goalie that's, you know, kind of like a a really good AHL goalie, kind of like a, an NHL number three. You put him behind a team that's not very good defensively and that is struggling to score. Remember, they weren't generating a lot of offense at that point under Mike Babcock. That was that was right before Babcock got fired. Um, and it was really snowballing against Hutchinson where he, he, what he was facing was really difficult and the team was kind of falling apart and he couldn't he couldn't do it. And now you've got a team now you've got a team with a lot of confidence and I mean he did like he lost. I don't think that's I don't think that's putting enough of the onus on him. And like I just don't know that he's that good. No, I mean like he was he giving up his... a goal or two every game that you can't give up in the NHL. Like But but like I like I said I went back and read the story and it was revealing that the quality of opportunities that he was facing was like off the charts ridiculous. Okay. Probably because he was playing the second night of the back-to-back, right? Like and yeah. and the the team was was in disarray at that point. So it's just I think that the way the team is playing helps him build some confidence. And then, sure. like, you know, he gets into a... The thing that's weird, though, is that Hutchinson should not have been like an 890 save percentage or whatever he was last year, 885. He shouldn't have been... Like, he's not as good as he's playing right now, and he's not as bad as he was last year. I think, yeah, he's like a 900-ish around there. Yeah, I think he's 906 or 908 for his career. Like, he's he's a guy that's a three, number three goalie should be pretty good. If he's your backup, mm. he's, you know, well, Jonas, most teams don't like you. I, I like I don't know if fans can name the number three goalies on a lot of teams. So, like, he's not as bad as he showed last year. He's just not. And it's interesting that Kyle Dubas kind of like doubled down on the idea that he's not that bad by bringing him back as the number four. Yeah. Although, like, I wonder what the percentage chance of Dell getting claimed on waivers, what they thought it was coming into the year. It was probably pretty high. I mean, like, that was talked about almost immediately once they signed him. Let's not let's not overstate this. They traded for a, another backup goalie the night that, while he was playing. That's how bad it was going. Michael Hutchinson was terrible last year. I'm not saying he wasn't bad. Okay. I'm just saying that, like, okay. it's like one of those things where, like, you know what it's like. Remember that. Remember that year that Jonathan Bernier fell apart when he was yeah. like. Sometimes guys just like you. You fall. You're in the toilet as a goalie and you can't get out. And I don't. I'm not saying Hutchinson's a world beater. I'm just saying he shouldn't have been as bad as he was last year. Well, we don't have a, a ton of uh, clarity on how long Anderson slash Campbell will be out. Um, it seems. It kind of seems like now Anderson might be back sooner, but maybe not. It's it's not ideal if this has to go on for a while. I don't know how long Hutchinson can sustain this, but if they play well defensively and don't force him to be great, I don't know. Maybe you can get by. Like there was, remember that year Tampa had who was that goalie? Uh, James, you know him. Uh, what's, anyway, what's t- the context. Well, basically, Tampa both their their goalies were out, and it was their number three, and I can't remember his name. And basically, he had like a 900 save percentage over like a 20-game stretch. Oh, yeah. won a bulk of them. Uh, Louis Domingue, right? Louis Domingue. That's Louis Domingue. So, that's hey, that's what good teams do. Um, Before we get to the quote of the week, and then we talk a little bit about Neander, talk a little bit about Matthews, 
Uh, we should talk about the line that you have called the meh line. You like that name? I actually, most of your puns, like it's like a 20% hit rate for me, if that. I but that's, that's pretty, that's not a pun. That's a pun. It's, yeah, it's no, a re- but just like your wordplay. Um, that one works for me, Mikheyev and Paul Hyman. I like you know, it. You know what I was thinking it is? It's that the other team, the other coach looks at the lineup and he sees that line and he's like, meh, I don't got to worry about that line. And then they come out and then they, <laughs> what have they played together? Three games, two games? Like two games. <laughs> that's why it's fun covering the Leafs sometimes because it feels like everything gets blown up to like ridiculous oh, yeah. proportions. Like some third line that's been together and plays two good games has already got a bunch of nicknames and people are talking about them. Like this is going to be the way that it's going to be. And I, you know, watching that line's fun to watch just because they're so big and so fast. Like it's, it, 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 it's like a, I like it when lines have their own personalities and, and you're watching the game and it's like, Oh, okay. Here's like, you know, now this shift's going to look a little bit different because you got a different, uh, I, I've been thinking watching these Oilers games, how much different the Leafs are to watch when Matthews isn't there because normally when you're watching the game, I always make a point to watch when Matthews is on the ice and when he's not on the ice and just how much different the Leafs look. And without him there, they, they're, they're a different team. They're a less dynamic team. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, he's one of the most dynamic players in the league. Um, but with that line in particular, it's like you said, it's like you stick like these two like heavy, hard hustling wingers with Mikheyev and or with Engvall. And when Engvall's really skating, it's like you've got these three guys just like all over you. And Engvall's done a good job of being more involved and physical. Yes. And like that's something they've been up his ass about for years. He's then, huge. Like, <laughs> like you, you forget he's 6'5", 214. Like he's not small at all. He's, you, so I, you can he's, understand why Sheldon Keith gets frustrated that he doesn't use his body more often, right? He's the only guy on the team when I interview him, we're looking eye to eye when I talk to him. I've always, you know, I've always been a big Engvall believer. Like I was always talking him up like years ago. I think you were, ju- I think you had jumped off the bandwagon when he didn't well, make the taxi squad, which uh, is understandable. You don't make the taxi squad out of camp. It's like, yikes. The, the, the problem with him is like, can he figure out how to play center in the NHL or not? Like, can yeah. he? I wasn't, I guess I was off the bandwagon. I was on the bandwagon of he's a fourth line player. But remember we had conversation in the summer. It's like, oh, is that contract too much? And Well, the contract still is too much and was too much. Well, if he's a third line center, it's not too much. If the med line becomes this thing, then if the med line is is carrying them to great heights, then. It's it's a big deal. It's not a small thing. It's going to be a line for like three games. Because like you get some of these uh, injured guys back. So Matthews comes back. He goes obviously in the top line. Thornton comes back or Thornton's back. Um, suddenly your top six is is pretty solid, especially if Tavares and Neander. Well, where do you even put Simmons, right? Like if you don't want to break up that third line, Simmons He's goes on back your fourth on the, line. He goes yeah. back on the fourth line. Yeah. like and, Well, and they need a line that can can do this, can play in their own zone, like be a line that can kind of play against Dreisaitl from time to time. They're big enough. They're fast enough. Um, and absorb some of that defensive burden from Matthews. And that means you can stick Tavares more in the offensive zone and stick like, I don't know, Boyd, Simmons, and Spets in the offensive zone. Like it, it's a big thing. They were hoping that Kerfoot could do that. But I think, you know, being 5'9 or whatever he is, I, I think. He's listed at 5'11", eh? And almost 200 pounds, which is a well, stretch. In person, he looks really small. Yes. Do you know he's listed at like seven pounds less than Kadri? And it feels like Kadri's like 20 pounds heavier. Mm, Kadri's not huge either, but 
he's like thick or he feels that way anyway. Kerfoot actually he played baseball with my cousin in Vancouver. I can't oh, wow. remember have I told this story? He no. played baseball with my cousin when they were like kids. So my cousin knows him and he said that Kerfoot was the smallest guy out there. That is a big part of the story that I'm working on. Yeah, we need that Kerfoot. Jonas has a 20,000 word Kerfoot biography that's coming out soon. All right, James, I have a surprise for you for the quote of the week. Are you ready? Uh, I hope it's not me saying something. It is not. <laughs> Are yeah, you okay. ready? I, I don't even know what it is. Let's, yeah, I'm ready. You think it's my fault? Is that what you're saying? saying you're, is that what you're saying? saying you're is that what you're saying? Okay. Well, yeah, he was just screaming in my ear, so <laughs> I had to kind of start singing along with him. But uh, you know, he's a big fan of that song. He plays it in the car sometimes, so uh, you know, he, he definitely is a big Bon Jovi guy. It's been a lot of ups and downs, you know, a lot of emotions and a lot of great teammates that's passed by. Just being around this useful energy, that gets me excited. And they got a lot of it here, but uh, yeah, just soak it all in. You know, I feel like I'm, you know, young again. It's it's a good feeling to be. In. I need more emotion. We need more emotion from everybody. We need people to get angry. We need people to step up and, and be mad and take it personally. Uh, it was just okay. <laughs> I've been waiting a long time for that. <laughs> so you guys can package that someplace, okay? And the Golden Globe goes to Sal. What did he say? He said Sal, James. Sal. Now, the name of the movie is Soul. <laughs> did you see Soul? No, I haven't seen it yet. I just, oh, it's I, so good. I know. I've heard it's amazing. I, I, I signed back up on Disney Plus here recently. And my, my kids, for some reason, weren't into the Disney movies. So I don't know what's, I don't know what's wrong with them. But um, I signed back up the other day. So now that, I've, that's on my list of things to watch. Oh, my God. I, I wonder if the kids will howling. like it. Oh, they would. It's it's very, it's it actually feels like it's more tailored for adults, like the the themes. Yeah, that's what I've heard. I heard it's but, gonna be. Like, I heard it's gonna be emotional. Oh, it it's very emotional. It's a tearjerker. It <laughs> is a tear. People said it cuts to your core, and it and, absolutely does. Yeah, that's why Tracy Morgan saying "sow" is just like it had to be the quote of the week. Yeah, yeah. I see. Like I, I didn't even know that that had happened. I didn't. I didn't watch the Golden Globes. So. Oh, we do like a Golden Globes party at my house. It's why not Oscars? Time. Or you do both? Oh, we do both. Oh, yeah, we're all in. I, I don't know. You better not have had a party though. It's COVID. No, a two-person party. <laughs> oh, okay. Lots of treats. Anyway, looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty-four-seven U.S.-based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, James, do you want to talk about Matthews first or do you want to talk about Neilander? We are a little bit tight for time, so let's let's go Neilander. Let's go lightning round here because I want. I really don't. I want to get to the the reader questions. We got some really good ones. Okay. Uh, do you feel like Neilander has turned a corner? I think. I think that his. I think he's feeling better about himself, and I think that this is going to take some pressure off of him. And I think that when. 
when Matthews is out of the lineup, they need him to step up and he's getting up on that first power play unit and, and playing with some different players. And I think that all of those things help him a lot. So I didn't directly answer your question, but I'm going to say, yes, I think it, I think he's turned a corner. I think he's starting to turn a corner too. And the point I wish I had expressed more clearly in the story that I wrote about him last week is just that he seems to be punished more for his flaws than any other player. Um, and I, I still feel that's true. And I still feel even if you're getting, even if he's not everything you'd hope him to be for that talent level, for what he delivers, I still think he is top, like a, a very good player and a very helpful player. He wins them that Calgary game. He scores yes. the two goals. And all people are talking about is like, well, he cost them a goal. And then you go look at the fucking play and like. Exactly. It wasn't his fault. Like, could he have been better in that play? Probably. But that goal, like Pierre Engvall was like off like. I don't know what he was doing. He was like in the corner and his man's in front of the net untouched. And then, you know, like Nylander is supposed to be, uh, he's not supposed to be covering the man in front of the net. Like, it's just crazy. And then I had a conversation, Ray Ferraro said, oh, he DM'd me or something. He said something like, oh, you're, uh, you're defending Willie again or whatever. And I had a conversation with Ray and I said, Ray, like, I'm I, like, you read my stories about Nylander. I'm not saying he's a great defensive player because he's not like, he's not as good defensively as Marner and Matthews, even Tavares. He's like, he's not, Nylander is not a great defensive player, but he makes a lot less than those guys. He makes 40% less than all of those guys. He scores at about a 30 goal a season rate now. Uh, like, even if he never improves defensively from what he is, he gives you so much offensively that it outweighs that, that he's more than worth the contract that he makes. Like, even yeah. if he's just a really high-scoring second-line player who has some lapses defensively, he's still a good player. And I, that's the thing that that I think gets overlooked and that he takes more garbage than any other player on the roster, and I don't think it makes any sense. Yeah, and that's what I was trying to express in anyway. Um I agree wholeheartedly. And I think they believe, to, to close out that part, um, that even if he he's only great or very good in three of seven playoff games, that might be enough in a series. Um, and like over a long playoff run, and they obviously haven't had one of those, even if he just gets you a game here and a game there with like the plays he makes against Calgary, that's valuable, especially well, for your, that price. He's your fourth highest paid forward. Like he's like, he yeah. does, he's... He's secondary scoring that can score at a first line rate. Like good way so, to put it. Like I don't good know. I just think it. that people are just like ridiculously right. hard on him. All right. Before we get to the pod bag questions, um, any concern that this is like another injury of the same variety uh, as before with Matthews? Well, they thought he was going to play. You know, I was talking to people around the team right before uh, the first Edmonton game. And, and it seemed like they're like, yeah, it, it, like it felt like it was like 80, 90% that he was going to play. So something, something has come up in the last couple of days. That's, that's a little bit different. And uh, I haven't fully investigated what, what this, these new wrinkles are, but yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's certainly some concern now that um, the thing I would say though, Jonas, I think that if, they were in a fight for their life right now, or they were in a playoff race or whatever, he would be playing. And I, and I think that with how good their record is, it, it affords them the ability to get him some rest and try and let him recuperate more than if he's playing every night. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll see if he plays by the time people are listening to this, we'll know 
potentially if he'll play on Wednesday night or Thursday night. I'd imagine they'll just keep saying he's a game time decision. I wouldn't be surprised if he just sits out both. I kind of think that might make sense. Like he, it doesn't seem like he's totally got everything back as far as shooting the puck, but we will see. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right, James, pod bag time. Drew Brewer asks, how much does Jack Campbell and Michael Hutchinson's play make a difference in the idea of extending Frederick Anderson? I'm going to just give that one to you because it's a it's a tough one. I don't think it – I think it's more what Jack Campbell is able to do, and he's played only three games. It's And he's he started like only nine times as a Leaf. Like it's not like he's been – there's that much evidence to suggest anything. Like we don't know what he is – until he plays like enough games where you can say he might be something more than a backup, I don't think it has any effect on Anderson. Do you? Mm, I, yeah, I need to see more from Campbell. To I mean, the, the good thing is that Campbell is signed next year. Yep. Here's what I, here's what I will say: If the Leafs want to go cheaper in goal next year, and they have another option that they're interested in. <sighs> I I don't know. I mean, I I think what I said first makes the most sense. You need to see more from Campbell, but like it's it's starting to open the door where you feel more comfortable with letting letting Anderson go. I'm not Cer- sure. Certainly, I'm not going to pay Anderson more than what he's making now. I think the most the longest contract I would give Anderson is three years. I was going to say two. Yeah, maybe even two. Like I think if he wants to come back, it's like same money, two years. Yes. And that's assuming that Anderson plays well the rest of the year. So, but can their one-two punch next year be Campbell and Hutchinson? No, 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 no. I think you got to get somebody else. Yes, I think you got it. But if you feel like Campbell can play half the games, which we don't know yet, um, then getting a tandem goalie who's making two, three, four million is probably okay. Philip Grubauer. All right. Next question. I think it's probably one of the Arizona goalies is who I look at. Well, Ranta is a UFA. And Kemper's got one more year, right? It's point. just Ranta gets hurt a lot. Yeah. Uh, do you believe the meh line is sustainable? And does the play of the line make Hyman's contract extension harder to negotiate? I'm not sure yet. I don't, I don't know that it affects Hyman's contract extension. Like, I would think Hyman's probably in line for more money if he plays with Matthews and Marner than if he's playing on the third line. That is a spicy meatball, James, the Hyman contract. Yeah. I think he's going to take a discount. I think what you do is you give him 
I would just give him the whole eight years. Like, I know that that's going to be a problem down the line, but like front load it like crazy, put lots of signing bonuses in it. And, you know, maybe he ends up on LTIR or maybe you, you dump him to Ottawa or something at the end of that contract. But, you know, you get the AAV down as much as you can. And, you know, he's, he's a valuable piece. You can't lose him. But you also, you can't afford to give him like a $5 million cap hit. So you got to get creative with it. He will be 29 in June. He is on pace for what would be like a 50-odd point season this year after something similar last year. Like he is, they can't man, lose. They can't lose him. I worry about a contract that long for someone that age. Yeah, but Jonas, all. like it's not relevant though because like, when I, like he's not going to play those final years for the Leafs. Like they'll Robida Island him or they'll like – Though something else will happen, like that's you know, a boondoggle he, I don't want a part of. That's that's I don't know, but anyway, I mean, look at what the Blackhawks did with some of their long contracts with like Duncan Keith and like, like, yeah, some of those did not work out. Well, they worked out in the sense they won three Stanley Cups, so True. like, I, I think that the Leafs window is right now, it's the next you know four years anyway. And if you can get Hyman on a bargain contract, which I've said in the past is 3.8 or 3.9 or something like that over a really long term, then. Then you do it, and you're lucky in that he's not going to push for every last dollar. Like I think on the open market, Hyman could get four and a half, five million a year, long term. Yeah, for sure, maybe more. All it takes is one crazy team, James. Next question. Um, I don't know if I want to talk about the Canadian division again. Man, there's so much. Do you want to talk about that? There's so much talk about how bad the Canadian division is, and I don't. I don't. I don't think it's good, but I also don't think it's like the worst division of all time. I think that I think everyone in Western Canada has come up with this, and I'm from there, so I can say this has come up with this theory that the division sucks so much, and that's the only reason why the Leafs are good. The Leafs are actually a good team. Like they were yeah. a good. They were the seventh or eighth best team in the league last year when Keith took over. That's how good they are. Like they're not. Are they the best team in the NHL? Maybe not, but they're top three, four, or five. Like they're. they're it's a good team, especially when they get good goaltending. And they've added TJ Brody. It's a good team. Like enough with this like stuff that it's just about. It's not just about the division. It's not. It's partly about the division, but it's partly about them. Like they're just clearly asserting themselves as the best team, which they should be. Like that was what we talked about coming into the year. Dom has with a story their- on this tomorrow about like calculating exactly how much the divisions contributed to their record, and it's going to be a lot less than people think. Yeah, I've debated with you a bunch on that, so I hear that. It is the worst division of the divisions, clearly. That one with the three California teams isn't very good. Yeah, but it also has Vegas, St. Louis, Colorado. So right, so more higher end teams. I mean, one of the things that teams. you know, one of the things Jonas that makes the Canadian division shitty is there's only seven teams. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. the other divisions all have eight. So like that's a big win. Like even if it was the division was as good as the other ones, it's so much easier to make the playoffs. It's like whatever it is. 14% easier, I think, to make the playoffs. Well, who do you think the second best team in the division is? I have been proven right that Montreal was a bit of smoke and mirrors. Uh, so far, they can turn it around. You know who, like from what I've watched, who looks decent is Winnipeg to me. For I don't really understand fully why, but I think getting Dubois and they have good goaltending and that's, for some reason that decor is better than, than they look on paper, I think it might be Winnipeg. Yeah, that's a team that would be tough to face in the playoffs with their top two lines. That's a big team. Big and strong and heavy. and. I don't yeah. know who the second best team is. It's a real fucking – it's a dog pile right now. Yes. 
Uh, is there a goalie controversy? You want to answer that one? Definitely a goalie controversy. I love it. Should the Leafs play Scott Sabarin? No. I think a more interesting question, James, is is there a certain point here? We haven't talked about your boy, Alexander Barabanov, who has just come out of the the, the doldrums. Barabenchdov no longer. But he doesn't, does he have, how many points does he have? One? Does he have one? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know if he's fully I don't even of, know if he does. I don't know if he's fully out of the doldrums yet. Like, what, what if, if, if he continues no, to go no without... Points. He has no points. So, like, everyone is doing backflips about how good Barabanov is. And it's like, at some point, he's got to do something. People are yes. just, like, noticing that he's on the ice now. Whereas before, that's, it was like... That's the bar. Do you notice him? A little what, bit. Well, my notebook was, like, 10 days ago. And I was like, he literally does nothing. He doesn't get shots on goal. He was, like, bottom 10 in the entire NHL and a whole bunch of stat, stats. Like, he, he, the only thing that he registered in was getting hit. He was like fifth in the NHL or something. Like literally, that was the only thing that was happening. Well, now he plays with Neander and whoever, and suddenly you notice think, him more. I don't think he's a bad player, but he's probably just a guy that like he's uh, a guy. Uh, but the more interesting question is like, at a certain point here, do you call up Nick Robertson? I think that's an interesting question. Well, you know what? I've watched the Marlies a little bit, and I don't know that he's just been okay for me. He has not yeah. been like otherworldly good with the Marlies, in my opinion. Now, I guess the counter, not the counter, but he is playing in that league for the first time. And I also, he also might be one of those guys who you put him with better players, like in the NHL, cleaner, everything. He looks better. I don't know. I like him on the power play. I mean, I think that there's another injury or, you know, yeah. Uh, let, let's, let's go through these real quick here and then we gotta, we're going to have to close it out. Unfortunately, this is a short pod and I apologize for that, but uh, we'll, make, uh, we'll make next week longer. And I know we're supposed to have uh, Down Goes Brown on here soon, which I know is a, a request. And if people have other guests they want to have us to have on, uh, let us know uh, in the comments or or uh, on Twitter. Um, okay, real quick. Alan Smith wants to know, will making a trade now mess with the chemistry? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> chemistry is overrated, isn't it? I'm going to say no, because I think the trade they make is going to be for a top six forward that's going to slot in on one of the lines, like probably on the Tavares line that hasn't been unbelievable anyway. And all it means is you move Barabanov down. And I, I, I don't think – like they're not going to change the lineup dramatically. And I think part of the reason is that things are going pretty well and they don't want to disrupt the chemistry. I think it. I think their deadline is going to be adding one good piece is what they're going to do. Well, if they add an, another forward, it's not Barabanov dropping down. It's Kerfoot. And then, like, the point is, like, maybe you don't. You, they might not need to if this Engvall thing is actually real. But if, if Tavares and Neilander still can't get it back, then maybe you still do. Max Ellis wants to know: Should uh, Joseph Brickwall take the ice this week, given the back-to-back and all the goalies that are hurt? What do you think? Would you play in one of the games, or would you play Hutchinson both the games, assuming Campbell and Anderson? Can't wow, play? I never contemplated that. The fact that they might have to start Hutchinson in both games. Oh my god! This is I, why we ask these readers for questions because they go deep. I kind of think I'd play Hutchinson both games. Like Wall's never played in the NHL. He hasn't played a game in forever. Like when was the last time he played a game? It was last season with the Marlies, and he did not have a good year with the Marlies. Like you might even play that. D'Agostini, I don't know. I don't know. You probably, I think you, see, you probably got, play Hutchinson in both games. D'Agostini got, has been an awesome story, and, and Joshua Cloak had an awesome profile on him recently on the site. 
Uh, but he got tuned for eight goals there in a game, so his numbers are kind of come back down to earth. Okay, lightning round, Jonas. We're down to a minute and a half. Braden Murphy says, when's the last time you've seen a Leafs team gel like this? You have 10 seconds. How about the 2013 season, James? The mirage. I don't know. I have not seen one. I'm just kidding. It, it was like the Pat Quinn Leafs, right? It was like when yeah. they were, you know, the Gary Roberts, that series against Ottawa maybe. Thomas, McGillney, Sundin. Yeah. A lot of people want to know what do you think. I like here, I kind of like this question. Uh, if you could watch the Leafs play one game against a non North Division team right now, who would it be? Tampa. Tampa. I mean, Tampa's the bar, right? Like they're, they're, they, they won the cup. I think they have the second best record. They're, they're, they're a deep team. They play a different style than a lot of the teams the Leafs are playing right now. That's, that's going to be the bar. I mean, I think that if the Leafs continue to play this well, they can, certainly think about getting out of the Canada division. And then I don't know how they're going to do the third round. Are they going to, I don't think it's determined who they're going to play, right? Is it going to be a reseeding for the the conference final? I'm not sure. I think, I think it is because like the Canada division, like it, are they in the Western conference, or the Eastern conference? They're, they're kind of both, right? Yeah. It's a good question. Uh, do you think Ilya McKayev will ever score? Yes. Man, he is he is faster than he was last year. And he was fast last year. It's like every game he's getting like two or three rushes. All right. I think we... Oh, I think we're out of time. Stephen Donnelly points out, why did they let Wool wear number 60? That's Carlton the Bears number. I like controversy. Like All right, James, before we go, uh, I want to point out to people that former Leaf... Uh, executive and Leaf, Jeff Jackson, uh, who represents Connor McDavid. He was on with Craig Custins this week on the full 60. Go to theathletic.com slash Leaf Report to sign up for The Athletic if you haven't tried it yet. James, anything else to add? Mm, Theathletic.com slash Leaf Report. Sign up. We're getting lots of good signups there. So either if you haven't signed up yet, sign up. we got uh, lots of trade deadline stuff coming. Or tell your friend about that because it's a really good deal. It's the best deal you can get right now. All right, James, we will talk next week when the Leafs are back from Western Canada.